Movies and Booze. I'm Moncrief on News Talk. Yes, it is uh, indeed time for Movies and Booze. Uh, we are joined uh, once again by Chris Wasser, Gene Smullen and Rachel Ryan. Good afternoon Hello. Uh, uh, to you Hello. all. Uh, hey, w- one late comment on the, the new urinal design man that we were talking to earlier on. Uh, somebody says, with the best of respect to the urinal designer, waking up after a night on the porter, it comes out of me with the force that would disperse a crowd of rioters. Splashback somewhat inevitable. Obviously, you've put yourself up there as a prime tester when they get when they start uh, testing on that particular uh, product. I I would have thought. Uh, right. So anyway, lovely to see uh, you all. Jean, you were uh, out in Marks and Sparks I doing was. a bit of. I doing a bit of recce. Uh, on Tuesday, they were launched. They had the official launch of the revamped um, Liffey Valley s- store, and uh, what I was mainly there to do was look at the uh, off license. Now they did have cookery demonstrations, and the show, the shop is. Absolutely fantastic. Um, what they have, which is very interesting, it's an animatics um, machine. They were originally invented about 20 years ago by the Italians. There's now lots and lots of countries producing them and lots and lots of different brand names. What it is, it's a machine that uses nitrogen to keep the wine fresh. So you put the four bottles, and in this case they have four bottles, which will be on rotation, they change them every month. And you go in, you have to download the Marks & Spencer app, you zap it on the, ma- the machine and that allows you access, and then you can taste the wines. So they've got, you know your man Fred, I've forgotten the surname, uh, the the French guy who's the maitre d' in, in First oh, Aids. First yeah. Aids, yeah. He yeah. Is, he's, and actually, he's, he's a trained chef and he works, he's worked in Michelin stars restaurants for years in front of house before he did the whole first date thing and he does know his stuff so he's actually he's their wine expert and he's every month he'll pick the different um, Fred wines Fred Syriax I probably said yeah, that wrong yeah yeah yeah, yeah. 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 So, whatever Somewhere. it is French Just anyway French, yeah. French, yeah. French, <laughs> French will do and so um, I went in and I and I tried and actually I, I made a couple of notes but there was they had um, a Pinot Grigio from uh, from Trentino from Italy. The one I liked the most, they had the 22 families Old Vine Chenin Blanc at a tenor. That was fabulous. They had a red, Italian red, an IGT from Tuscany. And they had then an, a Californian Zinfandel. So you just get a 2CL. It's only a tiny little me- measure. And you, if you don't want to drink it, especially if there's a sort of a bin there, you can throw it in. And it was great. And well, I tried that's them. A, and that's I had an empty one. And the, and, the, and, and the shop very well laid out. And, you know, definitely worth a look. But free wine. That's the. Oh, that's all I'm hearing here. Yes, free wine. Free wine. <laughs> yes. yes. Free wine is all I'm hearing. So what, uh, what are we uh, talking about today, Jane? Well, I've, I've gone... Um, we, we're, we're going to look at... Um, a new wine from Gray Norton Stable, the He Devil, and it's from Mal- it's an Argentine Malbec, and it's actually very good. But the, I mean, that whole range is very good. And then it's going completely from the He Devil to the wine that translates to the wine of the Holy Virgin. So we've gone from He Devil to um, you know virgins on the ridiculous maiden, perhaps. <laughs> but there's actually a Chateau Neuf de Pape, so right, we'll, um, okay. we'll, we'll, we'll course, go yeah. with that. Yeah. Mother of God, now is uh, Graham Norton's enough money as it is, right? Uh, <laughs> Do you know one. the wines are really good? That's the thing. The key, there's loads of celebrity, celebrity wines, but the company who produces his in vivo, they know what they're doing. They're, they're good winemakers. And the quality, you know, from the get-go, because he launched his in 2015, before this whole trend of, um, you know, oh, kind yeah. of celebrity yeah. wines started. But the quality is good. And that's why, and they're, they're number 15 in the top 20 wine brands now in Ireland. They, yeah, because them lads come in, I interviewed them a while back and I was on the phone. But like they come in and they do like serious wine testing Tim and to, Rob, to yeah. choose, yeah, 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 uh, and yeah. I, I, you know, they do uh, know Graham their stuff, was, yeah, right. 
Graham was slipping up on his S's when I was talking to him. Anyway, let's just put it that way. Uh, right, the two films today, uh, Chris, are very serious. They both are very of them. serious. Yeah, they're quite heavy. Uh, both worthy. Both kind of uh, you know awards uh, uh, worthy as well. Uh, one is Bones and All, which is a romance, horror, drama, and also a film about two young cannibals on a road trip across America. We've all been there. You don't. <laughs> that's, that's <beautiful. laughs> um, I think it's the uh, it's the level of talent in front of the camera that has us looking at that this week because usually these kind of films might passes by you've got Timothy Chalamet Taylor Russell Mark Rylands Michael Stolberg and also it's directed by the guy who gave us Call Me By Your Name so I mean it's worth the conversation right. okay the other f- uh, yeah, yeah she said it's kind of the inevitable it, it, well, or yeah. maybe is it the first of half a dozen films it will it. be the first of several I think because I mean this thing is still ongoing you know Harvey Weinstein is facing trial for, mm. for his crimes but this film uh, details the New York Times investigation that brought down Harvey Weinstein and that also kind of you know uncovered you know decades of systemic abuse and you know sexual misconduct against women in Hollywood so it's about the two journalists Megan Tuohy and Jodie Cantor and it's also about the victims and about how the story uh, first broke in 2017 Right okay that'd be very interesting uh, and on that uh, particular question uh, Rachel do we, like it seems like every film that's like so you know has had more than 10 people watch it does a reunion and they talk about okay. you know but I think slightly more than just 10 people have watched this movie Love Actually yeah that's true Yeah. so fans of Love Actually uh, very exciting news this week there is a reunion happening this December now I'm really excited I love Love Actually but it also is a little bit of a stinger for me because the reason they're doing it is because it's 20 years old would you believe it's 20 years old? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, wow. That just, <laughs> those 20 years flew by me. Poor, yeah, poor easily. Yeah. Whitman is dead now, so. Yeah. 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 Yeah, 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 yeah. But this is really exciting. So this is being hosted by Diane Sawyer and she's interviewing a lot of the main cast for ABC. And they've got most of the lads in there. Hugh Grant, Emma Thompson, uh, Laura Linney, uh, Thomas Brody Sangster, who was the little tiny boy who fell in love uh, with Olivia Oh Olsen. God, he's now probably in his mid-30s. Oh, he's like, no, I think, I think he's in his late 20s. Right. He right, still okay. does a bit of acting. Oh, does he? Yeah, right, still okay. does a bit of acting. I mean, not quite the level Amateur, of... Amateur, lo- like yeah, that. Like, yeah, yeah. What's in middle management? Yeah. I mean, he peaked too early in his career when yeah. he was like nine. Uh, but this is really exciting and apparently it's going to go behind the scenes and kind of like stories that we didn't know from the movie. Um, in a little clip they released, Hugh Grant is talking about how he was dreading the scene, you know, where he plays the Prime Minister and he's dancing around the Prime Minister's office and he was like, I'm going to absolutely hate that, dreading it. And then he ended up having the best time of his life and it's become such an iconic scene. I mean, I've seen but so isn't many... is just a rip-off of Tom Cruise? Yeah, but yeah. like, it, yeah. it was a that's, good... That's, yeah. It was a good rip-off. Um, so, yeah, very exciting. And no Kira Knightley, which I'm a bit disappointed about. It's Maybe she's she... got something better to do. Kira Knightley. She, Maybe that. She's another period drama to do, probably. Uh, but it'll Ooh, be out. Ooh, meow. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she's good at it. She knows what she's good at and she's yeah. sticking to it. Um, and Olivia Olsen is also going to be in it. She's the little girl that the little boy fell in love with, with the amazing voice. Yeah. Who sang at the end. So. Liam Neeson isn't going to be in it. No, he's not going to be in it. Again, he possibly has something better to do. Yeah, because <laughs> he's got a particular skill set that he's probably <laughs> yeah. using. And exactly. uh, Paul Maskell and Andrew Scott are going to be making this week's Sweet Love. Yes, this is really exciting news. So they're teaming up for a movie together called uh, Strangers and it's based off a 1987 Japanese novel of the same name. Uh, very, very exciting. Now we heard that this was happening but no, no one was entirely sure when it was out. It's out next year, no particular date. Um, and it follows the story of a screenwriter called Andrew who's played by Andrew Scott which is, you okay, know, look, makes it easier. lucky yeah. for him. And he begins a passionate romantic relationship with his mysterious neighbour called 
called Harry, who is played by Paul Mescal. So apparently it's a tale about grief, loneliness and the unending longing for human connection. Uh, so this is very exciting news because, you know, Andrew and Paul both have a huge following in their own right. They both played very iconic um, roles. Obviously, Connell in Normal People. Andrew Scott was the hot priest in Fleabag. He was incredible. So for a lot of people to see them together in the one movie, uh, people are people are excited. And I can see why. I think it's going to be good. It's based on a Japanese novel. So yes. is this set in Japan? No, I don't, it's not set in Japan. I th- it's adapted from the novel. I don't okay. think it's, you know, it's loosely following the story. And are, is this two Irish people living next door to each other in this film, do you know, or, or what, <laughs> what accents are they putting on? I actually, I think it might be set in the States. I don't think it's going to be set in Ireland. Uh, Claire Foy from The Crown is also going to be in this as well. Okay. And uh, Jamie Bell from Rocketman. So it's pretty... <laughs> are there any Americans in it at all? <laughs> no, I don't. I think they're just... That's hilarious, that is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but Andrew and Paul are kind of, they've become kind of mates. They respond spotted at a Halloween party together recently and uh, Paul obviously is a fan of Andrew and Fleabag because himself and Daisy Edgar Jones dressed up as the hot priest and Fleabag for Halloween so you know there's a lot of love there already Was Daisy Edgar Jones at the same party? Yes Okay they're all hanging so out. So all these people do pals. hang out with each other. Are they all pals? Yeah. Or is it maybe just, you know, photo ops? I don't think so because I feel like it was a picture you that nobody really, was supposed to see. You really believe it. I believe it. Stop ruining oh, it for me. Of course you do. They yeah, love each yes, other it's real. on screen, off screen. It's all love. Yeah. Okay. What's our first mind today, Jean? Okay, we'll start with the Graham Norton He Devil, right? Um, it's 16 euro, but like these wines, they all go on offer in the run up to Christmas. So you'll probably find it selling between 12 and 14 euro, depending on where you get it. And they're widely available in most supermarkets and off licenses all over Ireland. So um, the Graham Norton, I mean, the first wine in the range was done in 2014. And Rob and. Um, Tim, Tim Lightbourne and, and, and Rob Cameron. They were two young fellas, Kiwis, two New Zealanders, basically making wine from practically the back seat of the car, you know, um, borrowing other people's wineries and buying grapes in. And they got, they came upon this great idea. They would fly up some grapes to London and they'd ask Graham Norton if he'd crush them and they'd make some wine. And any wine that they made would go to the money, any money they made from it would go to charity. It was just a marketing stunt more than anything else. Okay. But it's, it's, God, talk about growing legs, right? So basically, Graham Norton came on board, did it for the fun. And I think he he contributed all the money went to the Dogs Trust because he's obviously very involved. So then the next thing, the next year, they said, well, let's make a proper wine. And they got him to blend it. And that was in 2015. And that was the first year they launched that wine on the Irish market. Mm. And it just went gangbusters. I mean, it was the New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc, like it was the style of the wine. But the key to it was the quality. And by... um, 2017, one in every 10 bottles of New Zealand wine sold in Ireland was a Graham Norton wine. So then, of course, it just, they, they added um, a Shiraz from South Australia, a New Zealand rosé, Prosecco, um, a gin, a pink and a, a dry gin, which is made yeah. actually in, in Ireland. And now this is the latest edition. It's obviously, they're, they're picking all the styles that are incredibly popular, Argentinian Malbec, right? So, um, you know, this is this is this is a no-brainer. It's a big, juicy style of Malbec. Um, it's got gorgeous plum aromas, hints of spice. Um, you know, look, the two wines that for the boomers, like I was actually just reading a whole report about you know that the main market for wine in Ireland is 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 the is the baby boom generation. I mean, that's really who's buying the lion's share of it. Um, male boomers adore two wine styles, and I'm featuring both of them here 
Argentine Malbec or Chateauneuf de Pape that they come in and if they're trading up or if they're looking because I spent a lot of time standing in shops this is these are the two wine styles that are the go-to wine styles particularly coming up to Christmas and when they're buying presents but everybody loves Argentinian Malbec and it's just become so popular and this is a very good well-made example of a good quality um, Malbec um, as I say price-wise it's 16 euro but it will be on offer in the run-up to Christmas and it's very commercial and it's also got a little bit of residual sugar in there which obviously makes it it's much quite more rounded for a Malbec because yeah. sometimes a Malbec just so smacks you, you upside yeah, the head yeah. and all yeah. that but, it, but they, they, they leave a little bit of sugar in there just to make it sweet the, the slightly sweeter style which makes it much more drinkable it's great um, it does exactly what it says on the tin and again this will walk off the shelves in the run up to Christmas yeah. ok that's very nice uh, yeah. that's very nice uh, Thomas Brody Sangster uh, who's in love actually Rachel mm-hmm. is actually 32 mm. 32. He Why was, do I just feel so old today? Yeah, he was Deliveroo's Employee of the Month in February 2021. <laughs> so uh, he's still doing well for himself. Oh, no, Good he, for was a, he was the lead male in The Queen's Gambit. No, I made up the last one. Oh, no, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. Wait a second. Still acting. Uh, he was actually quite good in The Queen's Gambit. He was the guy who was, um, remember the guy who fancied himself as a, as, a, as the world's first chess cowboy, if there is such a thing? He was like a washed up chess champion. Yeah. He was really yeah. good in that. Yeah, actually. he was actually. Good yeah. for Thomas. Yeah, he still looks about 12. He does still look about 12. Mm. That's why yeah. I didn't think he was 34. Phil yeah. wants to know, Paul, Paul says, Paul Muscat is very good in After Sun, but anyone Fantastic. over the age of 25 generally thinks normal people is unadulterated shite. Self-upset balderdash, says Phil. <gasps> that's, uh, that's simply not that, true. That's not true, yeah. Maybe the, he didn't watch the whole thing. But I will say After Sun is mesmerising. It is lovely. It's about a dad and, and, and his kid uh, on holidays in the late 90s. They go to Turkey, they're from Edinburgh, and he hasn't been around her life that much, but they're sort of like reconvening before she starts like big school, mm. like a week or two after that. And there's just this sadness there between them that's not spoken about the whole the whole time through. I'm selling it as a very depressing film. It's yeah. just gorgeous. He's very good in it. Yeah, mm. okay. Conversations with friends. I know he wasn't in it, but uh, that yeah, was yeah. Couldn't I, did, finish I didn't it. give that a go. No. Now everyone said it was normal people, but with you know no, without wasn't. the sauciness and a bit slower. So gave that a miss. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Without the breakneck speed of normal people, <laughs> yes, <laughs> and all the car chases. Right. So what film we do first? Uh, we'll start with Bones and All, the cannibal one. Okay, Bones and All. After this break, movies and booze on Moncrief on News Talk. I thought I was the only one. Are there lots of us? Not lots, but more, more than you'd think. You've met a few, sure, that you know of. You never had anyone take an interest in you? A double, double, a double take? <laughs> just always thought. You just thought some people are creepy. It's better if we all steer clear of one another. We're dangerous to non-eaters, but we can hurt one another just as bad. I hope you're hearing me on this. God, Timothy Chamelay is good at sounding like an old fella. I must say, that's, uh, uh, that's bones and all. Uh, so, uh, even fr- in, uh, no, I think in that, in that particular scene, mm-hmm. they throw up a shot of, of Dubliners. 
They do, yes. Yeah, on the James table. Joyce's book, Dubliners, that yeah. is. Uh, why? Yeah. Is that significant? For it would be weird them? if they just like suddenly showed you a shot of Dubliners walking down Grafton Street or yeah, something. No, no, it's, uh, no it's, it's equally weird. You Bono there in the very busking. Yeah. <laughs> <That's it. laughs> you have there a chap named Sully, portrayed by Mark Rylance, who uh, sort of stumbles upon these teen cannibals. He's a cannibal himself, and he insists that he's been following them, and he can literally sniff them out. And he finds them. And welcomes them into his home. The, the the trick being that you know straight away this is not his home. That he's come in and he's maybe attacked someone and he's going to prepare them, you know, for, for, for a midnight supper. And that's exactly what's happening there. So he thinks straight away, oh, this guy, look how, you know, maybe cultured he is. And he's got a copy of Dubliners ah, on the table. Right, okay. This is not his house. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's not uh, one of many unsettling scenes from Bones and All, which, as I said at the top, is a cannibal romantic horror road trip. Um, now, why, ma- why, why are mashup. they cannibals, Chris? Uh, is it by necessity or, or lifestyle choice? By, by necessity, yeah. No. The film kind of uh, paints this picture of like people who have these uncontrollable urges and that it's a case of nature over you know anything. It's not just them kind of thinking, oh, we'll try this out. And it, you could see the cannibalism in this film as sort of a really gory metaphor for kind of adolescent otherness because the two main characters, you know, if you take Mark Rylands out of the equation, you know, they are just coming out of their teens. They don't feel as though they fit in. They kind of spend their time going around America you know, kind of uh, never working, but just kind of surviving. You know, it's it's a case, especially for Timothy Chalamet's character. You know, he doesn't really have a life, but he's he's barely living. Uh, that they just don't settle in anywhere. And you could also see it as a metaphor for for addiction, because these people just find one another wherever they go. And you might be thinking, listening, kind of go, well, how how do how do how does one cannibal find another cannibal? Especially you know, in America, in a country that in a country that big. But no, this film kind of says, look, these these sorts of people who who don't feel as though they belong anywhere, they're everywhere. Um, but the main character is Meryn, portrayed by uh, Taylor Russell, who is uh, sort of, she has done a few things, but this might be one of the first films that you've seen her in. And she is living with her dad in this kind of, you know, anonymous Midwestern state in the 1980s. When we first meet her, she's introduced to this high school sleepover uh, by these, you know, these very chirpy schoolmates, and she's not like that at all. And she wants to go, but she'll have to break out of her room because we see that her dad locks her into the bedroom at night. So Because he knows that she's a cannibal. He knows that something is up. So she breaks out of her room room she goes to the party and you're thinking oh look she's having a lovely time and they're lying there and they're listening to Duran Duran they're having a great time doing their nails and then all of a sudden she takes one of the girl's fingers into her mouth and she chomps it off and that is our introduction to her and the dad straight away when she comes home you know with blood all over knows <laughs> have you been eating people again <laughs> that's you know Andrew Holland go is the actor room. here and I, I did expect him to go oh not again um, but yeah they uh, they just have to scarp her they have to make a, uh, you know, a dash for the next set of hills and and eventually the time comes on her 18th birthday where he says enough is enough. He records a life story for her on cassette. He leaves it behind with some cash with her birth certificate and says you're on your own because she's apparently been doing this for 13, 14 years. Wow. And he can't, he's not equipped to deal with it as nobody would be. No. So she then, you know, she's naturally devastated. She has to look after herself. She sets off on her own, uh, you know, road trip to find her strange mother, to find out more about herself. And that's what brings her into contact with Mark Rollins' character who's sort of presented as, as this predatorial weirdo and it brings her into contact with this scrawny but very charming you know kind of drifter uh, played by Timothy Chalamet and a love story begins between them right okay and do do cannibals eat other cannibals or or is there that's a rule that's presented by Sully where he says never ever eat another eater which sounds like a slogan of sorts Uh, not a very catchy one for cannibals but um, yeah (laughs) they they, they don't eat one another which which kind of makes you a little bit nervy when you're watching you know uh, Timothy Chalamet's character and Taylor Russell's character kiss one 
one another, you're thinking, don't. Yeah, yeah, the temptation, don't yeah. Um, this is made by Luca Guadagnino, who uh, previously made I Am Love, A Bigger Splash, but famously, Call Me By Your Name. And um, mm. one of the more interesting aspects of this story that, you know, it seems a little bit cheap to go there, but, you know, other people have, and Guadagnino has been, ta- has been questioned about it, is the fact that Guadagnino, the Italian filmmaker, is reuniting with Timothy Chalamet for the first time since Call Me By Your Name. The other person in that film was Army Hammer. Oh, who in yeah. real life has been accused of cannibalistic team messages and of sending those types of messages to various women. Uh, now, he has vehemently denied those allegations, but those allegations have been following him around now for, for two years and, and essentially ended his career, as did other abuse accusations. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so Guadagnino has been... <laughs> no, it wasn't cannibalism. It was just sexual harassment, <laughs> you know. Um, but no, that, that was one of the odder uh, parts of that story. But Guadagnino has been asked about it, you know, are there any ties? Mm. And he said, no, it's completely preposterous. And I do. I just see it as kind of a really unfortunate coincidence. This is actually a really beautiful film at times. Mm. I know, it, like, there are parts of it that I felt so queasy looking at. You know, it is, it is quite horrifying, but the performances are lovely. It looks amazing. Uh, the score by uh, 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 Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross is is superb. They're the guys who did the score on the uh, the social network. And also, a really good thing that it does is it kind of messes with your mind a little bit because you somehow sympathise with these guys, even yeah. though they've just eaten an L one for breakfast. You know, you are kind of thinking to yourself, I, I want them to be all right. I want them to, mm. you know, to find themselves. I want them to find the spot where they feel comfortable. Uh, so it does mess with your mind a little bit. There are things about it, you know, it does drag on to about 130 minutes long. It's probably a bit too long. It does kind of, uh, I, I did, I, I like Mark Rollins as a performer, but all the all the time I kept thinking, do we really need his character? So it's flawed, but it is certainly worth a look. It's, it's a film that I, I'm glad I've seen, but I never want to watch it again. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, uh, and we can all keep that in mind when we're drinking our lovely Chateau Neuf de Pap in a few minutes. <laughs> the, uh, do they cook people before they eat them or is it just raw? No, that would just take up too much time. Okay, uh, they, right, okay. <laughs> just wondering. Uh, just no, oh, they, barbecue. Yeah, and when you say like, would they, yeah. be, would they be picky? Because I imagine no, they're not picky, somebody no. elderly would be like tougher. Uh, well, they want some, you know, young flesh. Mark Rollins' character Sully doesn't seem to have any rules about who he picks, but Timothy Chalamet's character is keen on picking out people on thieving and snacking on people essentially that don't have anyone else so he scopes them out for us to see have you got family at home and whatever and oh, yes that's and sweet yeah. it's very nice one oh, yeah and then Taylor lovely. Russell's character is kind of like she feels guilty about everything and she doesn't have any rules so yeah there's an awful lot of questions about how they you know prepare their meals there um, they just go for it Sean <laughs> do they yeah. put some okay. like do, seasoning they, or? yeah and, and any vegetables at all because they'd be you know they'd be bunged up for weeks if no, it's they, just meat uh, yeah I mean I I don't have the answers to these questions. Yes. <laughs> I, really, I don't have, have the yeah. answers. See, I like to ask those questions. should have got into that. <laughs> yeah. uh, right, okay. So, uh, Idris, uh, there's going to be a Luther movie. Was Luther big enough to justify a movie? Right, well, I watched the first two series and I did really enjoy it, but there was actually five series of Luther on BBC. Mm. It was incredibly popular. Uh, Idris Elba, of course, plays uh, Luther himself. If you haven't seen it, he plays a detective in London, gets into all sorts of trouble, murder investigations um, and is way too married to the job like his whole life is being a detective um, so now there is a movie that they have already filmed it's already wrapped and it's going to be released on Netflix next year uh, ah so, right one of them yeah yeah but like I mean so many movies oh, are going direct to streaming service now yeah. um, and I think fans of Luther will obviously absolutely love it like Idris was talking about it and he said it's basically a step above the, the TV show more explosions more car chases more action all of that good Luther stuff. Uh, Cynthia Erivo is in this as well. Um, she's a new cast member. She's actually going to be playing Elphaba in the Wicked movie. 
which I'm really excited okay. about. Um, and Andy Circus, who a lot of people will know as Gollum from The Lord of mm-hmm. the Rings, will also be in this movie. He always plays the baddie in every single movie he's been in. Uh, so yeah, so it's very exciting for Idris. Actually, you know, because he was in a Star Wars thing recently. And oh, Andor, yeah. Yeah. yeah and he that. was a yeah. goodie, was he? Yeah, yeah, he was in prison, but he was a goodie. Okay, uh, yeah. a stretch for him. <laughs> uh, but this is really exciting. And like, Idris is all about action movies, as we know. He loves a bit of fighting, a bit of guns. Uh, he was ruled out earlier this year, though. He's definitely not playing James Bond, which I think a lot of people were kind of a bit disappointed about. But one of the producers basically said he was too old yeah, to, to play yeah, James they, Bond. Yeah, down a generation. He's turned- it's, it's funny though because I always thought Idris Elba kind of hasn't found his groove yet no. in, in that something that really suits him which is maybe why it's gone back uh, gone back to doing this. To Did not- maybe create his own one. No. Yeah, he- maybe. Maybe. But did you see him in Beast? Apparently that was... Yeah, yeah, he was beating yeah. up a lion. I think we spoke yeah. about him there, yeah, actually. That's, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. A, <laughs> that's such a non-ridiculous scenario. Yeah. Uh, but if you uh, ask an actor, what do you want to do? Do you want to be in a film where you're beating up a lion or do you want to be Bond? You, yeah. you, you want to be Bond, but he yeah. he's be- not too old for Bond right now, but the problem is that Barbara Broccoli, the producer, wants to find someone to play Bond for the next 15 years. Yeah. She and very, then yeah. he'll be too old. Yeah. She very politely was like, I don't think he'd be interested because he'd have to sign on for 12 years, yeah. i.e. he's too old, we're not asking yeah. him. Poor Idris. Uh, b- by the way, Bones and All is in cinemas. Is it, it is in cinemas, yeah, yeah. So you can go and be grossed out with a group of people around you. Okay, good to know. Movies and Booze on Moncrief on News Talk. You are listening to the Moncrief Show on News Talk. 53106 is our text number that will cost you 30 cent. Chris, Jean, and Rachel uh, are still with us. Rachel, the new Harry and Meghan docuseries. On- I'm really excited about this. You just yawning there? No, I was going. <laughs> <laughs> okay, was exci- all right, you're taking a big breath to show your. That was my excited face. Right now, is this docu series about them whinging about being, uh, uh, you know, yeah. multimillionaires so and, and their cloistered lifestyle? Yeah. How hard it is for them. They signed a multi-million dollar deal with Netflix a couple of years ago and they promised them lots of documentaries, kids' TV shows, docu series, and for the last couple of years, people are like. But where's all the content? Okay, so finally, we're getting a look at this docuseries. It's going to be called Chapters. And this specifically focuses on the love story of Harry and Meghan. And they have created it. Um, They've worked with the director on it. Um, And it's going to follow their lives. So now Netflix have not confirmed this date, but a source has said it will be released on December the 8th, which is only like two weeks away. Oh gosh, right. Yeah. Okay. But there's been a lot of, um, not controversy, but toing and froing about this. And apparently Megan and Harry are kind of getting a bit of cold feet over the content that they've already filmed and they're kind of wondering how, okay. are, are we giving too much away? Have we... Is it a bit racy? Well, I mean, I, I don't know. Like, from what they're saying, I'm like, maybe it will be a little bit racy. Um, but there's they've asked to, like, rewrite some of the scripts in it. Um, also, obviously, with the Queen passing away, um, there's been a bit of negative reaction to the Crown as well, that they, they've kind of pushed this down the road a little bit and it sounds like... They're, it sounds like they're nervous about the release of this, which makes me excited to watch it. Um, so, yeah, so it's due to be released in a couple of weeks. And Well, that $100 million will probably calm their nerves. It's true. It is yeah. true. Oh, also, they said as well, apparently some of the stories in this contradict some of the stories that Harry has put in his memoir, which is released in January. <laughs> <laughs> Do you not have a so- team of people helping you with this? Uh, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, so Harry's book will be out in January as well. And apparently they are going to do a big promo trail for this. So I assume that's going to be happening in the next couple of weeks. Interviews. Uh, it'll be very interesting to see what makes it into this docuseries. How much they'll talk about their private lives. How much they'll talk right. about the crown. But, oh, this is a series though. 
docu series. Yeah, yeah. Do we know so, how many uh, um, episodes. No, no, but I feel like they're going to try and chop it down now. That's what I get. I, yeah. I, I, it just, it's cold feet. That's what and, I get in the final. Is it just specifically about their, their uh, romance and getting married or is it the whole, you know? It's their whole love story. So right. Megan did an interview um, a couple of months ago and she said it's it's about our love story, which I never got to share. This is a part of my life I never got to talk about in detail. Obviously, because she was part of the royal family and the fallout from that. So she seemed very excited about it in this interview. But it just sounds like now something's been filmed that they're a bit like, oh, I don't know. So, yeah. it'll be interesting. It's a reality show. Essentially. But, but if it's a docu-series, like do they a, have actors uh, acting as them? Sorry, Chris. Act, acting no, as no. them. No, 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 no. It's, it's, it's cameras following them, all right? Yeah. It is a reality show, yeah. but yeah. like a nice, you know, yeah. family-friendly, royal version of a reality. It's not like Geordie Shore. Well, Maybe it is. Maybe it oh, is. That would be brilliant. Be better. Like yeah, that would be great. Like, yeah. And maybe that's why they're so nervous about it. We will see. Yeah, you just cut to this clip of Harry in, in a booth going, I had another fight with me now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, getting the old fake tan. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. Let's uh, taste our second wine today, a Chateauneuf de Pape. A uh, Chateauneuf de Pape. This is the 2021 um, Cuvée Saint Vierge um, from Chateauneuf de Pape, 25.99, and it's available in Eurospar, Spar, Mace, and oh, selected. Yeah. Um, London's uh, nationwide now Chateau of the Pap is it's obviously a French wine it's made from a blend of grapes Um, theoretically you can have up to 18 different grape varieties in the blend but in theory it's usually Grenache Syrah and Mouvedre which are native grape varieties for the south of France Uh, Grenache is actually a a Spanish grape variety in Spain it's known as Garnacha but it's the kind of the backbone of most of the wines made in Mediterranean France and Spain so it's not it's not a high quality grape. It's known better for its brawn rather than its beauty. Mm. But if you blend it with a little bit of Syrah, um, like the Grenache gives you the soft red fruits. The Syrah kind of adds a little bit of pepper and spice. And the Mouvedre gives you the dark colour and the alcohol. So the blend of the three together, and this is a blend of 90% Grenache, 5% Syrah and 5% Mouvedre. Um, it, it it just is a lovely wine style and it's again it's a wine style that's very very food friendly um, you know this this is a very good example um, of this particular wine and, and Grenache it tends to be lighter in colour as well I mean you know it's not like deep and dark and heavy like Cabernet Sauvignon um, which is the great red grape of Bordeaux so if you try this it's actually, it's, it's, it's 2021, it's still very young. Mm. You get that spiciness. Yeah, you it's do. It's quite like, there's lots of kind mm. of summer fruit, like light cherry or, you know, kind of, not strawberry, but more raspberry, a little bit of mocha. It's gorgeous. I'm salivating because I've just swallowed <laughs> a bit of it. Excuse me. <laughs> but anyway, um, great, lovely wine, 25.99. Put in the Christmas stocking. This will be uh, on offer in selected Euro spars and they're up to Christmas at 15.99 but you'll have to look out for it. I'm not yeah. sure where. But yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, this is this is a wine style that literally uh, men of certain age literally Because right. yeah, it's, it's it, but, but you can get Chateau Neuf de Pape vast range of different There's prices. It can be absolutely gack and yeah, it can be it can delicious. Be good. This yeah. is actually good version. It is. It? No, it is. It and, is lovely. And this actually won a gold medal in the Gilbert and Galliard Wine uh, Challenge this year and was also awarded 19 points by the American 90 points sorry by the American wine critic, critic James Suckling so and it's it's do, got a bit of credibility does it there. have anything to do with the Pope uh, yeah, well when the Pope moved to Avignon for what 200 oh, that years that was the fake yeah. Frenchy Pope yeah, yeah. The, 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 the papal seat moved to Avignon yeah. and Chateauneuf de Pape it literally translates as the new castle of the Pope so um 
Yeah, that, 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 that's and that's the name of the the actual region because that, ah, it, it, right. It, yeah, okay, that's oh. that's where he was. I think I think it lasted for about two hundred years. Yeah, okay. And then they were back to blink Rome. of an eye yeah. uh, in the history of the papacy. Right, we'll move on to our second film. It is she said. Here's a clip. What is it exactly that we're looking at here? We're looking at extreme sexual harassment in the workplace. These young women walked into what they all had reason to believe were business meetings with a producer, an employer. They were hopeful. They were expecting a serious conversation about their work or a possible project. Instead, they say he met them with threats and sexual demands. They claim assault and rape. If that can happen to Hollywood actresses, who else is it happening to? Right, uh, that's, uh, she said, is this a bit like uh, Spotlight? Very much like Spotlight. Yeah. yeah. Very much framed that way. Um, and it's 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 another kind of rich real life newspaper drama, but like, you know, all the best rich real life newspaper dramas, <laughs> it manages to make, you know, journalism look interesting. I I, and, I often wonder is that they go, this is a great film, says journalist about film about journalists. Yeah. And, and, you know, anyone who's a non-journalist, is, I don't know. I think, uh, the, I think the best thing that Spotlight did was kind of take, you know, the everyday typical routine journalistic practices that is, you know, answering and, you know, calling people, door stopping, uh, you know, taking notes, transcribing putting together a piece while you have editors saying you know I need more sources and I need more people to go on the record all of these kind of boring things that we know about the work and the best thing that Spotlight did and that this film now subsequently does is make it look so thrilling mm. um, and also at the same time taking a subject matter that is incredibly delicate and turning it into a very dignified drama because as I said at the top this is a story that's still ongoing you know you have Weinstein standing trial for these crimes that he did commit um, and you know you, you're thinking to yourself while watching this what 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 are the next four or five different Weinstein themed films what are they going to look like but I think the important thing to remember though is that Weinstein is not a central character in this film and that instead it's about the women who broke that story and yeah. also about the victims that came forward and it frames it very well you have uh, Megan Tui and Jodie Cantor they are the real life journalists who, along with their editor at the New York Times, broke this story that they were working on for months and also went on to write a book called She Said, which is where Rebecca Linkiewicz and uh, Maria Schrader, the director, uh, take the, the, you know, that's that's where, mm. where, where they take their film from. Um, and you have uh, Kerry Mulligan and Zoe Kazan playing these journalists both, uh, one of them kind of, you know, starts following the story when she sees this tweet by, you know, the real life actress Rose McGowan and who, who might have been referring to, uh, 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 you know, a crime committed by Harvey Weinstein in a tweet that kind of started all of this. And the other one then comes in, uh, you know, to, to, to Jodie's investigation and l- like literally says at one stage, you know, she's just back from, from having uh, started a family with her partner. She's, she's saying, why are we investigating this? Could we not be giving, you know, something else, you know, could we not be, you know, find the better use of our time? And the reason she says that is because she spent six months of her career uh, uh, on an investigation into Donald Trump's, you know, alleged crimes against women. Uh. And I say alleged, he definitely, you know, there is, there's, there's a lot there to say that he did do the stuff that he was accused of. Um, and, and it went nowhere. He still ended up in the yeah. White House. Yeah. So she's kind of just, you know, disillusioned by this, by, by, by her career almost. But together, they do something extraordinary, which is to find the people who were affected by this, you know, system that Harvey Weinstein was part of and, and to get them to go on the record, which was not an easy thing because every time they get close to a source talking into giving their name for the report, they say, oh, I actually signed a non-disclosure agreement or, oh, I don't want this. This is too much heat for my family. Yeah, Will I be yeah. facing a lawsuit? Um, so again, so it's all this stuff that we've already known. It's all this stuff that we've read. But Maria Schrader manages to turn it into, a, you know, a, a, a suspenseful and, and engaging drama that's kind of... That 
that is up there with all the presidents men that is up there with spotlights uh, you know and, and I think that's 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 no easy achievement you know I sometimes you know I'm, it might sound a little bit cheap but sometimes I refer to these things as as the Apollo 13 effect which is that Ron Howard made a film about a bunch of astronauts who went up in the space and didn't go to the moon. Yeah. And they yes, they ran into trouble, but they came home grand and they lived to an elderly elderly age. They were fine. How do you take a story like that and make it thrilling? You give it to a proper set of filmmakers. And it's so weird that you know what the outcome of this story is going to be. And you know that, you know, these people are going to that Harvey Weinstein is going to go down for his crimes. That you know that the good guys in the end are going to win. And obviously there were people traumatized by all of this. But still you stay with it. And you and halfway through you're thinking are they going to be all right? Is this going to go where we want it to go? It's very good, Sean. Yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah. That is, and so, uh, what point, if you like, and in the arc of the real life arc of, yeah. uh, of the Weinstein story, does it finish at? Uh, it, it sort of finishes just as the story is publishing. And then tells you, you know, and that's not even spoiling anything, but it tells no. you, you know, what, what, you know, that the fact that Harvey Weinstein is currently standing trial. So it goes right up to the publishing. And it also it kind of uh, addresses, you know, the elephant in the corner, which is that, you know, Ronan Farrow at the same time was working because going into this, and like, the New Yorker, yeah, yes, rather yeah. Ignor- ignorantly on my part, I thought Ronan Farrow was one of the, you know, but actually this story in the New York Times was published five days before the New Yorker one. Mm. And also, crucially, uh, it's very well performed, it's very well written, and it's very straightforward too, but crucially, it doesn't do any sort of reconstructions of what happened to these women because that right. that's an important okay. thing that you okay. could not go down the route you do have someone you have a, 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 an actor uh, uh, giving us Donald Trump's voice on the phone at one stage you have Harvey Weinstein's voice, voice you know, played by an actor at one stage it doesn't do any grisly reconstructions and that is very important because it's not about that it's about the women kind of you know taking back their their, their voices and actually coming forward and, and and telling you what happened you don't need to show us what happened at the same time and it's got writing at the end and it's got right yeah i love films that writing yeah. at the end i don't know why it's just it's just a thing movies and booze i'm moncrief on news talk